0: A few days ago, I read a passage of scripture in which one verse sort of jumped out at me. Even though I'd read it on several other occasions, it seemed to speak in a way it had never spoken before. I want to share that passage of scripture with you this morning. It's found in the fourth chapter of the book of Acts. We begin our reading with the 13th verse and go through the 22nd. But there are a couple of verses leading up to it that I call to your attention. The second verse in the fourth chapter, the writer said, They were greatly disturbed. That is, the Sanhedrin and the people of that day were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. Then in the seventh verse, the writer said, They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them with this question. By what power or by what name Do you do the things you are now doing? And then we take up with the 13th verse. When they saw the courage of Peter and John, realizing that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and took note of these men that they had been with Jesus. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there wasn't anything they could say. So they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin and then conferred together. What are we going to do with these men, they ask. Everybody living in Jerusalem knows that they have done an outstanding miracle and we cannot deny it. But to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn these men to speak no longer to anyone in this name. Then they called them in again commanded them not to speak or to teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, Judge for yourselves whether it's right in God's sight to obey you rather than God. For we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. And then after further further threats, they let him go. They could not decide how to punish them because all the people were praising God for what had happened. For the man who was miraculously healed was over 40 years old. The verse that really jumped out at me and spoke to me in a new way is this verse, the 13th verse. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men they were astonished and took note of these men that they had been with Jesus. Particularly these words. When they saw the courage of Peter and John, they took note of these men that they had been with Jesus. Among the most prized possessions of my life is what I call a treasurer of, Of acquaintances every once in a while as I am by myself either riding in the car sitting in my office or at home I began to look back over some 30 odd years of ministry in the North Alabama conference and three years in the state of Kansas and realize the one thing which I put which I prize as much as anything else in the world are those individuals particularly those unique individuals that I have been privileged to know and with whom I have been privileged to associate during 30 odd years of ministry, which I call the lifetime of my adulthood. This morning I want to share with you the story of one of these unique individuals whom I have been privileged to know. When I knew this man, he was the police chief of a small town over in West Alabama in which I was privileged to serve the Methodist Church at that particular time. Prior to his serving as the police chief of that town, he had served as sheriff of the county in which we lived for some two terms, and had also worked on other different police departments in communities around the county. He was a man that could be described in many different ways. He was grossly overweight as far as one description goes. Uh, he spent the average day of his life sitting in the office that he called the City Hall or the Police Department except for two different occasions on one occasion in the morning he would get out of his office and go to the patrol car and ride around through the state streets of the community uh, looking after the people and seeing what was going on come back to his office later that afternoon about middle of the afternoon he would get in his patrol car again and make the same trip, this time riding by the school to see that nothing was going on within the community that needed his attention or that might be disturbing to the rest of the citizenry. He was one of the most soft-spoken individuals I have ever known. He was as gentle seemingly as any man who ever lived. I don't suppose he ever raised his voice at any, on any different occasion or at anything he was as gentle as was possible for him to be, as I've already said. Most of the children and young people in the community seemed to have the utmost regard and respect for the police chief of the town in which they lived. I happened to have three children at different ages, in the high school and junior high, and I knew something of the thoughts of the children, and everybody seemed to hold him in highest regard and highest esteem there wasn't much vandalism going on in the little community and everybody seemed to know that he was a man who was going to do his job to the best of his ability and yet a man who never really seemed to exercise the power of the office that he held. But I suppose the thing that characterized his life more than anything else as far as I could see was the fact that he was a man absolutely without fear. By that I mean he was afraid of no man who ever lived. And so far as I could tell, he wasn't afraid of anything else in the world. It didn't matter what you threw against him or who seemed to throw the most power or the most weight. He was a man who lived a life without fear. A lot of stories grow up around individuals such as this. And one of the stories that was handed down from year to year, a legend within his own life, that sort of characterizes his life was something goes something like this. While he was serving as sheriff of this particular county, he was called to a home out in a rural area to make an arrest of a man who had barricaded himself in his house, threatened the other members of his family and anybody else who tried to get him to come out of the room where he was. He had closed the door of the house and carried with him a, a, a shotgun, a double-barreled shotgun, and sufficient shells to protect himself for a good long time. When the man when the sheriff got there, he knocked on the door, called the man by name, because he knew most everybody in the county on a first name basis. Called him by name, said, Come on out, let's go on and get this over with. The man in turn knew the sheriff by name and Called him again and said, no, called him by his name, I have no intentions of coming out. If you take me, you'll have to come in and get me. Well, the people who created the legend said the man simply opened the door, walked into the face of a double barrel shotgun, went over to where the man was, took him by his arm, uh, took the gun from him, led him out, and said to him, come on and let's go to jail. And those who knew anything at all about the individual said of him, he did all of this without the slightest show of emotional upheaval or any feeling of emotion whatsoever. And as I've looked back across the years since I was privileged to know the man and serve as his pastor, I've tried to figure out what there was about the man that created The kind of strength and courage he possessed. Tried to figure out what it was that made him uh, so courageous in face of difficulties such as this. And about the only thing that I've ever been able to figure was that he was simply born with courage such as this. It was something with which he'd grown up. There was a feeling of self-confidence within his own life. That enabled him to look into the face of the whole human race and regardless of what humanity might be able to throw against him he seemed to feel he had the strength and courage he needed to overcome any obstacle or any difficulty with which he was faced. Now in the words of our text we see two men who had developed something of the same strength and of confidence. As the people uh, saw these men, they suddenly discovered there was something different about Peter and John. There was something about their life that wasn't seen in the lives of the rest of the people with whom they lived. There was a sense of courage, a sense of strength, a sense of determination. A realization within the heart and life of these men that they could face the obstacles and difficulties of life without any fear whatsoever. And it didn't matter how much the crowd may try to silence them, they simply couldn't put a damper on what the men had to say. No matter how many threats the crowd made against them, And undoubtedly, they made many different threats because they were spitting in the face, so to speak, of the power of that particular generation of people. And yet, no matter how many threats the crowd made against these men, they simply went ahead doing what they felt God had called them to do, saying what they felt God had called them to say, ministering in the way in which they felt God had called them to minister. It was as though these men had also been born with a strength which knows no fear whatsoever. It was as though they had discovered within their life a source of power and a source of strength that only seemed to grow with the challenges that came to them from day by day. And then you say, but what does this have to say to me? What does it really mean as far as I'm concerned? Well, there are two things I want to lift up for your consideration. The first of these is that there are many reasons for us to be afraid. There are many faces of fear. There are many reasons for us to fear the realities of the world of the 20th century. There are many reasons for us to fear the realities of our own life and our own situation. Some time ago I read an article by one of the leading psychiatrists of our day who described a segment of our population by saying that today there are numbers of children who are literally born into a world of fear before they ever know much beyond the trauma of birth itself, before they ever open their eyes or begin to breathe the air of the world in which they're going to live, they are already surrounded by the realities of fear. And even though you and I are not born into a world such as this, at least into a community such as this, we know what it means as the years come and go We know what it means to be afraid, afraid of things that are going to happen, afraid of what has already happened, afraid of looking at life itself for fear that we are not going to be able to handle the situation as it arises. I have a preacher friend who described for me the life of another preacher, now retired, a member of the North Alabama Conference. A man, if I were to call his name, every one of you would know quite well, for he served a number of years among the the most prestigious pulpits of the North Alabama Conference. And my friend said to me, you know, Charles, here is a man who gets up every morning literally scared to death to leave the house and go to the office of the church that he's appointed to serve. I said, what do you mean? He said every morning he gets up and he doesn't want to go to work, but his wife always says to him, now go ahead, you can do the job that is assigned to you. You can handle the situation. He said literally, she forces him out of the house into the office. And there are people in our world today and there are times in your life and mine in which we can readily identify with the life of this particular individual. For we soon discover that life is not fair. Life doesn't always give us back what we feel we deserve. Life doesn't always treat us in the way in which we feel we ought to be treated. Quite often we recognize that we are repaid evil when we feel we ought to receive Good. And as a result of of the unfairness of life, we discover more and more reasons for us to be afraid. And in our fear, we also experience a feeling of timidity, a feeling of hesitation, in which we simply don't have the courage we need to get up, to handle the situation, to cope with the realities. As they unfold for us day by day. And so I begin by saying uh, that there are many reasons for us to be afraid. There are many reasons why we fear the realities of life. And yet, let me hasten to say, there is an inner strength which comes through faith. No matter how afraid we may be, or how much fear we may face, or how difficult the way may seem, perhaps the greatest promise of Christianity is that there is strength for every situation which comes through our faith. The words of our text, the writer said, They took knowledge of them, they took knowledge of their boldness, they took knowledge of their courage, they were ignorant. They were unlearned. They couldn't cope with those that were uh, rising against them as far as their own knowledge was concerned. And yet the people standing around that day discovered in these men a sense of courage, a sense of strength, and that went beyond the fears of the moment. The writer said they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. Or as the translator in the Living Bible says, the people were amazed at Peter and John. They were amazed that they could uh, cope so well uh, with the situation and what was going on. But then, the writer said, they realized what being with Jesus had done for them. Think back. They were amazed. Ignorant, unlearned men. They were amazed at them standing up to the Sanhedrin, standing up to the most powerful influence of that day. They were amazed at them. But they realized that they had been with Jesus and what a difference it made in their life and within them as individuals dr william barclay describes the strength of peter and john in this way he says it was from a personal experience of jesus christ and then he says their message was no carried tale. they knew firsthand that it was true and they were so sure of it that they were willing to stake their life Listen to them. So sure of the message of Jesus Christ that they were willing to stake their life on what they had seen and what they had heard and what they had felt. Which leads me to say that the greatest source of strength for life there is comes from within. Now there is a strength that comes with what we possess. And I would not in any way minimize this thought or this idea. I think every once in a while of a saying I heard some years ago in regards to a certain lady who happened to be a member of the church that I served. And and I'm not going to tell you all the saying because it's not Adorn an ecclesiastical language and you wouldn't understand the preacher using language such as this, but it described her strength in this way, that it was the strength of the pocketbook. And I don't minimize that. There is a certain strength that comes with wealth. There is a certain strength that comes with knowledge and education provides an individual with a sense of security that doesn't come from any other source in the world. I got to thinking about it as far as I'm concerned. and You know, I can stand before any official body of a local church that I'm privileged to serve, and I know more about running that church than anybody in that body. And I don't have to ask anybody about it. I know because I've learned it. And this is true of of any profession, A doctor can look me straight in the eye and tell me things that no way, no matter how much I study medicine from a lay standpoint, I don't know. There is a sense of strength that comes with knowledge. There's a sense of strength that comes with our association. Uh, As we quite often say, it's always good to have people in high places, to know people in high places. Because people can do something. But when I've said all of this, I come back to the fact that there is no greater greater source of strength in an individual's life than that which comes from within as a result of what we have come to know as the new birth. There's no greater source of strength in an individual's life as you face the realities of your own experience, as you face the realities of life, there's no greater source of strength for an individual than that which comes from what we have come to call the new birth in Jesus Christ. You remember, Jesus says, you must be born again. St. Paul said, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. These are the sources of strength on which an individual can depend regardless of the crises of life with which we are faced. And so this morning, I simply want to share with you the words of our text and the thoughts therein. Peter and John. In their ignorance, in their lack of, in their impoverished condition, in their deprivation as far as acquaintances were concerned. Peter and John stood before a group of people with all the boldness in the world because they had the strength of God born from within. and They knew that it didn't matter what the world may throw against them what the world may do to harm them. They could rely upon the power of God to carry them through the valleys of the shadows of life, whatever direction those shadows might cast, and come out triumphant and victorious because of the investment God had made. And what was true of them can be true for you. And me. As long as we have within our own soul the breath of God shared in the life and ministry of his son Jesus Christ, then we are those who have reason to know no fear because we are gripped by the strength of God and the power of God and the Spirit of God, which is ours through God's understanding of our humanity and of our human situation. Help us, our Heavenly Father, as we struggle from time Mm -hmm. to time, regardless of the situation with which we are struggling, to realize that no matter how dark the way may seem or how difficult the path may be, it is ours to conquer and ours to enjoy because we are filled from within by the Spirit of Christ Himself. In His name we pray. Amen.